What's going on, boys and girls? We got a terrific episode of Two White Lights for today. I had on the show my coach, Mr. Joe Stanek, Joe TSA, to discuss my recap at the Arnold Classic. And last episode, I was telling you, hopefully, this episode will bring you some good news. And I guess it does bring you good news because I went 9 for 9, hit all the goals we wanted to accomplish, broke an American record, unofficial world record deadlift. Really great performance. We discuss it, but it's not all good news because this coronavirus thing is ruining everything. So we spent like the first, I don't know, five minutes. I try not to talk about it too much because I think I think this, this spread of coronavirus is being aided by us just talking about the coronavirus. Maybe if we don't talk about the coronavirus, it'll go away sooner rather than later. I don't know. That's probably a bad take. I'm not a scientist, but yeah, uh, we do have some good news and that it's a different episode of Two White Lights because we're simply talking about the programming leading up to my meets, changes that were made, the meet itself, what we did, you know, just it's obviously a whole new experience for me because I never had a coach. So this is going to be a pretty different episode and pretty informative as well because a lot of good information was shared by Joe primarily because he's the coach and he's the guy who is smart. But before we get into our episode of Two White Lights, I want to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leflarbros.com and get yourself some merchandise. They just dropped their good luck design. And it looks awesome. They get, they hooked me up with one before the Arnold. Uh, yeah, it pays to be a sponsored athlete. I don't know if you guys knew that, but it totally does. Uh, and it looks awesome. It kind of looks like Stone Cold Steve Austin, Broken Skull. And I love Stone Cold Steve Austin and wrestling stuff. And it's just a cool-ass design. And you guys should buy it. And you should use promo code 2WL10 to get yourself 10% off of that and anything else in the store. Because you know I love their beanies. Their baseball tees, their cutoffs, and just their designs in general. I love leftlarbros.com. And again, 2WL10, get 10% off your order. Also, if you need some supplements, go to rivalist.net. Grab yourself some branched amino acids, a protein, pre workout creatine, you name it. Rivalist will hook you up and you'll get 15% off if you use Angelo15. Code Angelo15, get 15% off. Also, Check out Stoic. I'm so happy to be sponsored by them because I love their gear. Get yourself some knee sleeves. I mean, their knee sleeves are my favorite things, and so are the wrist wraps. Singlets, I think, are pretty great across the board, but I really enjoy their knee sleeves and wrist wraps. And I get a lot of questions on what wrist wraps and knee sleeves I should get or what people should get. Definitely, Stoic is my preferred choice on that. And that will do it for the ad reads. And here it is, two white lights three two one and as promised i got with me via facetime my coach the man i'm gonna do the recap with but before we get into arnold recap we are in our homes because the coronavirus is being a dick and ruined pretty much everything so how are you joe stanick uh as i said uh off off recording to you man i'm 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 okay i'm i'm just trying to remain as calm as possible amongst all this uh, all this craziness, um, hoping that uh, it doesn't get uh, get worse. Um, all in all, in general, great. Like the uh, coming off of the Arnold and everything. Uh, obviously, you know it was a it was a great event and things like that. Um, really, really happy with everything that went down there. But 
just uh, as far as the the world's concerned, yeah, little little concerned, I'm sure, as everyone is. Yeah, and it, it was a great performance. And last week around this time, the plan for this episode was simply to talk about the Arnold, do a little recap, not a whole Arnold recap. You actually did it on King of the Lifts. I hate to plug another podcast on my podcast, but you did on King of the Lifts and did a great job with it. So full Arnold recap can be found over here or over on King of the Lifts. But over here, we, we're we just going to talk about you and I competing at the Arnolds. You coached me through my very first meet while getting a coach. And that was going to be the episode, but I think it'll be irresponsible not to mention that the coronavirus is throwing a wrench in everything, including this goddamn episode. If it hasn't ruined one thing, it's ruined this episode for sure, because it has changed powerlifting and the sports world in general. It's ruined March Madness, which is one of my favorite times of the year, opening day, which is Same. probably another one of my favorite times of the year, and I was looking forward to this since they announced it, the SBD Invitational in Sheffield. That's been canceled. Collegiate Nationals. Has that been canceled yet, or is that postponed? What's, what's the deal? I, I believe it's postponed, technically, but, I mean, I, I don't know. It might as well be canceled for all intents and purposes. Yeah, and so many great meets that I was looking forward to are being canceled. And it sucks, especially with Sheffield, because I was, I was planning on doing like a little viewing party at the gym with that, because small meet, a lot of great lifters, good storylines money on the line, in a different country, all of it's awesome, but unfortunately not happening, and talked about, talked this uh, with you before the show, how I just don't like talking about the coronavirus anymore, I don't like seeing memes about it, it's, was first funny, now, I'm not saying it's offensive, I'm just saying it's annoying, I don't want all my conversations to be about the coronavirus, but uh, it has greatly altered just powerlifting and kind of people's lives too mm. so yeah it's it, the whole the whole thing is pretty crazy like uh, again uh, obviously in the grand scheme of things you know powerlifting and, and the effects on sports is is obviously not as important as, as public health and and we understand why that's happening but you know this is a powerlifting podcast and and on our end you know as fans of the sport that does kind of suck mm-hmm. um you know, just uh, as just like a message to everyone, you know, as long as you still have the ability to go to the gym, which some people in, in other countries, they they can't leave their house, let mm-hmm. alone go to the gym. Um, but as long as you still have the ability to go, just just be diligent about uh, wiping stuff down, wash your hands, just use common sense. Um, I don't know. They're saying even just like, you know, if you're greeting somebody, just bump elbows or wave now. Um so yeah, it's uh, it's it's unfortunate for sure, and and I know there was a lot of a lot of really good stuff going into the the SPD Invitational that now we, we won't really get to see as we speak. Uh, Taylor Atwood is actually competing in New York um, rather than having done that. Uh, I believe they're in a flight at his meet right now on their deadlifts. He's uh, he's five for six so far, having only missed his last bench press, mm-hmm. uh, but. I'll go out on a limb and say before the meet com- uh, meet completes, despite the fact that he didn't weigh in at 74 anyway, uh, I don't think he's going to hit that 800-kilo total mark today. Yeah, I didn't know that part. I didn't know he didn't even weigh in at 74. So, uh, yeah, it's it's good to see some meets still happening. I'm hoping the next meet in Chicago uh, that I'll be attending, it's going to be hosted by Power Surge uh, or um, – Search new levels, my gym. Hopefully that meets happens because I have a lot of friends competing in that. And I think it 
is scheduled to do it, so uh, at least the local meets are happening. But yeah, you mentioned it before. Some people aren't able to go to the gym, which that's the one thing I'm holding on to right now. Is Same. being able to go to the gym, and I really hope that is not going to be taken away from me in the near future. Hopefully it's not. Because, again, Mark Madness is gone. Champions, I forgot the Champions League. The Champions League, Serie A, is not going to be played until May. Uh, it's just a bummer. Everything's a bummer right now. Yeah, man. So hopefully hopefully we can do what we can by uh, you know doing our part, at least on this this episode, discussing some some slightly better topics to, to brighten everybody's mood. But if, if you happen to be listening and are... Are affected by this in, in any way um just uh we'll, we'll do our best to try to try to distract you and, and keep your keep your spirits up yeah i mean if you are locked inside your home and can't do anything just subscribe to two white lights and listen to all of our episodes that will probably last you two weeks if not more so do that yeah, uh there you go yeah and leave a five-star rating and review but we did compete at the arnold we had a i'm i'll call it a perfect meet if, oh, yeah, if I would you, say so. If you listen to the previous episode, I listed my goals, and we hit all the goals that we wanted to hit. Nine for nine meets, PR'd on all three lifts. And even, I did mention this on the previous episode, I'm going to mention it again, even if we didn't go nine for nine and didn't hit those goals, I was rating this coaching dynamic between you and I as an overall success. Just a complete success, even if we went 7 for 9 or 8 for 9, because of just the progress I've seen and hitting numbers in the gym that I didn't think were going to happen. But we still ended up executing on game day, and it looked like we left a few kilos in the tank, too, which is still a good thing, considering I made like a, I don't know, like a 40 k like a forty kilo meat PR, I think, or something I close to that. that's right, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let me just check real quick here uh yeah 40 kilos exactly mm. oh, well yeah 40 ki- yeah including that that half a kilo chip spoiler nice. alert <laughs> yeah yeah so it was it actually went better than expected which sometimes doesn't happen and i was already on the board like this is awesome getting a coach has been easily the best move i've made in my powerlifting career i've seen results quick and this is not a commercial to get coaching from Joe Sanek. I'm just saying, if you listen to the previous episodes, if you go back to episode one, I was kind of against getting coaching because I just don't like change and don't like, I don't like changing my schedule for a whole lot of things or changing the way I do things. And I was also just, I was always hesitant. The cost thing was, you know, irritating to me too. But right now, like it's a complete 180 we've done where, I'm just thinking, like, maybe maybe before Nationals I got coaching, stuff could have been different. Maybe I could have broken to that top ten. Maybe I could have broken to that top five. But as of right now, we're sitting at a pretty solid ranking, and I really have you to thank for that. I'm, it, You made all the right moves. You called everything right. The programming was A1. We made so much progress early that it kind of worried the both of us a little bit because – same. Didn't know if we'll be able to sustain that, and we kind of did. So, I I would just like to take this moment to thank you. Oh well, I I I thank you right back, man. Um, I know, I know it can be it can definitely be difficult having not had a coach before. Um, 
it can definitely be difficult taking that leap of faith because um, there's, you know, there's despite like, you know, sometimes being up and down with your performance as a self-coach lifter, there's that comfort in knowing that like everything that happens is the result of what, what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying, I, I think that's, I think that's a little bit of a, not to make this a discussion about coaching overall, but I do think that that is a little bit of a misnomer and I'm sure hopefully you'll agree with me um, that people sometimes have when they're, you know, hesitant about being coached is it's you're still in the driver's seat on, on a ton of the decision making. At least if you have a good coach, let's put mm-hmm. it that way. Um, you, you know, you're, you you make a lot of the decisions day to day. You have that freedom, and you still have at least I, I hope you feel this way. You have a lot of input on on the way that your that your programming is shaped. It's just you know me kind of filtering that and saying yeah we should you know that's a good idea or and eh, maybe we should do that this way just based on this. Um, and it's 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 a little bit more. At least I, I like to think that it's a little bit more of a collaborative experience than it is uh, just strictly me saying this is exactly what you need to do. Even though that is that is what I do sometimes. There's enough there's enough room and flexibility in there that that you know you get the word in and and we helped we helped put this you helped me put this performance together for you uh, just as much as I helped you. Mm-hmm. At least that, that's that's how I hope you view this. Um, and I, I will say that you know despite the fact that I I might have you know, made a few corrections on, on form and stuff like that and, and, and wrote the actual program. It took you to, to sit down and do all the work day in and day out. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want this to be like a, you know, it was all me kind of thing because it, yeah, it was absolutely, you did the majority of the work and you should be proud of yourself for that. Well, yeah, you both, you always need both of those to happen. And that's, that's something the lifters really don't understand is your coach is going to set the guidelines for you. And write you the book that's going to answer all the questions. But it's free. It's up to you to study. If you don't study, you're not going to get those results. And I've seen it with lifters before that the coach hopping thing is prevalent in powerlifting. People do coach hop quite a bit, and it's at a point you got to look at yourself. It's like, okay, am I willing to do the work? Um, I was willing to do the work. That is that is one thing that's really easy for me is working really hard on something. Like I could. That's if I have to work like three times harder than someone, I'm like, okay, that's a little comforting. All I need to do is just kind of throw myself into a wall a little bit, and hopefully I'll break through it. So mm. um, it, for other people, it's easier. Sometimes they can go around it. For me, for the most part, at least with all my, even in all sports that I've done, I've always was like not talented when I first started. As far as the other guys go, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna work really hard, and hopefully I'll be as good as them, if not better. Um, and other sports didn't work as much as it did for powerlifting. Powerlifting was a little easier, <laughs> but, uh, and another, and I hate to bring this back towards the coaching, but I'm going to, I've grown a deeper respect for the art of coaching now that I've seen it in action on game day, because watching you handle, what was it? Four lifters that day? Mm, three. Three? Okay. Three lifters just in the warm-up area, and then going into us putting the lifts out on the platform, and watching you and, like, Noriega's, Noriega's clients were warming up the same time as us, like, just trying to keep tabs of the warm-ups, it's hectic. I didn't know how hectic it was until I actually watched it, because before I was in my own world. I was thinking about myself, thinking about when am I going to interrupt these people so I can go and get my warm-up in. And the, and even during the meet and putting on the platform, just kind of always sitting by myself or just, you know, bullshitting with the other competitors. 
when I witnessed, you know, the attempt selection, the how you're handling lifters in the warm-up area, I just grew in a, I grew a huge respect for coaching, even more so because it's it's hard. I don't I don't think I'll be able to really ever do that. Just keep that mental note of everything and being like so involved in other lifters. And you did. I mean, for all your clients that day, you were you were you were doing the rounds. Yeah. It was it, it was it was definitely a very weird day for me too because I was expecting to only be handling two people at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, not not three. Um, generally speaking, I try to avoid handling more than two people at once because it gets very hectic. Um, and it was it was a relatively successful day for those other two as well. Um, unfortunately, my my lifter uh, Jimmy ended up hurting his his back on squats, so thankfully that did take a little bit of pressure off of me handling the other two of you. Um, but uh, you know, silver lining in that is that he was he was able to kind of help us out in the in the back after that. It was a real sport. Um, shout out to him for for having a real uh, athlete's mentality there. Yeah, I would um, like to appreciate him too on that because he he was helping me a lot throughout my deadlifts, and we'll get into the deadlifts. But with my bleeding shins, I didn't think they'll come back and bite me in the ass, but they really almost did for a little bit there. So. Yeah, black socks from now on, man. Yeah, Jeez. seriously, Jesus Christ. But yeah, we'll get into um, that a little bit later. And he gave us the chalk, Candido. Yeah. The Candido recommended chalk. Five star review from Candido. That chalk. Yeah, right. Um, that was that was pretty cool. But yeah, dude, it's it's. I love game day coaching. It's probably my favorite part of the the, the sport in general. But it's it's definitely nerve wracking and it can be hard to manage things. Uh, I think. I don't know. My my biggest job as as a game day coach in the in the I think kind of comes in more in the back because I, I do think um, you know if if worse comes to worse, worse lifters can always still think a little bit critically at least I would hope so about the attempts and how how they go. Um, but in the back, it can sometimes be hard. Like you have to you have to be willing to almost throw elbows to say like, hey, it's it's my lifter's turn because mm-hmm. uh, there are you know there are, there are just people that that aren't, aren't always ready when they're, when they're ready to go. And I, I do think that it's, it's also good to, to have somebody back there to be able to say to you like, Hey, you know, this guy's going, you're going to go next, make sure that you're ready so that we're not holding everybody else up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, it, it's something that, um, you know, I've been doing for a really long time and, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it helped you feel a little bit more at ease, uh, on game day. And that's, that's kind of what I want. You know, when, when I'm coaching somebody on game day, I want them to be thinking about three things. Uh, you know, Lifting weights, obviously, eating eating a little bit of food, and listening to music, and that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you did a terrific job with that. And so let's start at the beginning when we arrived at the Arnold, uh, or just in Columbus, where I was greeted by you, a pinnacle performance. Hopefully I can get Joe Sullivan on the show very soon, because he did some awesome things that weekend for all the small vendors who got uh, screwed over a little bit by the coronavirus. I hate to bring it up again, but what I just did... We met up there, did our last bench warm-ups, and, or we hit our last, what, bench, yeah, bench warm-up, yeah, right? last bench warm-up. And we had to go to, through registration, and you advised me to bring another scale to see how it matched up with the competition scale, because I was worried about that, too. Like, it was the meat that I was the most heaviest, believe it or not, at 81.5 kg. I think it's a half kilo higher than, uh, la- around last year, this time I was 81 yeah, I was 81 kg going to my first USAPL meet. Uh, don't know what yep. happened in October where I lost two two kilos off my weight. I should have probably ate a little bit more, drank a little bit more. Who knows? But uh, you told me to just compare the two, see if it's off. And 
my scale is actually a little lighter. And the I was getting some up-to-date things like, okay, you know what you can do for these next two days because we got there on Thursday. I was competing on Saturday. It's like, check your weight. Check your weight. Eat regularly. See how it is. Don't eat like an asshole. Don't, if, don't eat like an idiot. But at the same time, you know, if you can eat a little bit more and it's and the numbers on the scale are showing you something, continue to eat. And I think that actually had a really big impact because I was just eating a lot, actually, eating a good amount of food, looking at the scale. And then towards meat day, the night before you told me to weigh in at the very end of the night with a full day of eating, I was like, what, at 82 and a half? Something like that, yeah. An actual 181-pound lifter would be the first time in my career if I was going to weigh in at 181 pounds. And then the next day, there was a obvious weight fluctuation downwards and told me to eat. And then right when I you and then I'm like, all right, I'm going to pour myself a shake now. You're like, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Water is a little bit heavier. I'm like, okay, good thing I didn't drink any of it. Nice. And seriously, in my hotel room, I was eating bananas, uh, about a pound of pasta, some fruit Impressive. snacks, and, you know, the weight was going up but I had a pretty full breakfast beforehand and I think that really actually helped my performance because usually on meat day I'm like just don't eat anything before you weigh in why even why even risk it and the the same day weigh-ins thing too is I've only done it twice in my career in APF and WPC has been 24-hour weigh-ins and I think that alone just that little that guidance there just that little you know looking over like okay eat keep continue to eat uh, don't overeat. Had a big impact on my performance because right after weigh-ins, I just wasn't really that hungry and I felt full, fully energized. Yeah, yeah. I think that. I mean, that that is one of the advantages of being a lifter that's that is regularly weighing in a little bit lighter than the weight class. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'll the way that now the way that that'll evolve as as you you know slowly start to gain a little bit more muscle. Um, at least until we get to the point that we actually do need to, to manipulate food to make weight, which will probably be a little while, uh, seeing as seeing as you don't exactly gain weight faster <laughs> compared to most lifters anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, the way that that'll evolve is is you know slowly over time during meat week we might start to replace different foods in your diet with more uh, calorically dense stuff so that you can you can continue to you know eat a lot of food the, the week of the meat and, and hopefully even the day before um, without without taking calories down. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I like to do with the, with a lot of my lifters in general. Even if they are cutting weight, I try to I try to manipulate the foods that they're eating so that they're consuming the same, if not slightly more calories uh, the week of the meat so that they can feel a little bit better. And, and yeah, that is something that I notice with a lot of lifters that despite the fact that I might say, hey, you know, you need to you need to have some food here and things like that, um, it's it's a little bit hard for them to eat, whether that's just because they're not hungry or, or nerves or, or just different things like that. Um, or, or honestly, in a lot of cases, because it's it's crazy, like uh, lifters in uh, in the, the pro-American on Sunday, we had one flight of males. That was it. Mm-hmm. So you, you had we we went back. You maybe had time to go to the bathroom and then you had to go into the next flight. Or into into uh, preparing for the next flight, rather. So, um, yeah, that that was a big advantage, and I, I definitely agree with you that it really contributed to everything. Um, I'm I'm glad that we were able to to be in that position for this meet because I think it only it only helped contribute to to the success that we had had uh, in training and bringing that to the platform. Yeah, and yeah, again, weighed in uh, officially at 81 and a half kg, uh, heaviest I've ever been. So the goal was. 
when I first got coaching for me, it's like we definitely got to start eating a little bit more. So gain some weight, 79 kg probably won't be great for your performance. And I agreed with you. I was like, all right, perfect. Let's try. I did download my fitness pail, got a, you know, like just the understanding of where I was throughout the BC initial part of the coaching. Like, okay, it looks like I'm consuming about 2,900 calories up to about 3,200 calories per day. Slowly gained weight, kind of hit a like a plateau or like a stalling point, but um, I wasn't really trying to make weight for a weight cut, and I think you would agree with me on that. That probably wasn't a good idea for the Arnold to do that, me being my very first water cut or weight cut. Um, also, psychological warfare, me going into the warm or the weigh-in area with a big Tupperware of pasta and eating it, I think I think has a massive uh, massive psychological advantage over other people. Um, I was because most people comment like, "Are you seriously eating pasta right now?" I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> like I'm, I'm was, like uh, I was light this morning, guys. Oh yeah, that was what we we call some bie big Italian energy. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. It was. Yeah, uh, the first person I saw was uh, Zach DiCostanzo. Uh, shout out, he beat me by one IPF point, that son of a bitch. But uh, he he saw he saw me break out the pasta, and I can't do it over podcast, but he gave me the, you know, the, the Italian sign for what the fuck. So I think you guys know they're going to make a little emoji, like, what, what the fuck you doing? And it was, it was, uh, yeah, again, psychological warfare. Hopefully we can do that in the Nationals, where... A lot of people making big water cuts, big weight cuts. I could go in there, uh, maybe, let's see, what's another Italian dish? I guess all pastas work. Pastas work all the time, so I'll just get maybe pasta with pesto sauce this time. Maybe, maybe do a cannoli on the side. Oh, yeah, cannoli. That'll work. Maybe tiramisu. Oh, shout out to my mom, by the way. She made me, uh, like, five pounds of pasta before the weekend, so big shout out to my mom. And two different types, pasta with pesto, and then because Friday was Lent, we can't eat fish. I mean, we can't eat meat. She made me uh, just regular pasta with fresh tomato sauce. So There you go. Big big shout-out to my mom. All right, so <laughs> weigh-ins were a success, obviously. Uh, felt fully energized. I think that had a really good effect of me for the meat. Didn't have to, you know, stuff my face two hours before. Treated like really a normal day at the gym. Um, so let's uh, – Talk about squats, I guess. Yeah. Let's start off there. Uh, a lot of really, really great progress on my squat through my last meet from now. And from initially when I got started with you, you did dissect my squat. Uh, a lot of people on the internet would probably say that's like that is perfect squat technique. Don't change a thing, Angelo. Your squat is awesome. Then when I got coaching, there was a lot of things that I was doing wrong that a lot of people thought I was doing correctly. And that those little technique advices, uh, I think bracing was the first really big thing we talked about, like just improving my brace. There were so many people like at my gym, my old gym and my current gym, who would emulate the incorrect version of my bracing, where I would do the big <gasps> and shrug the weight up a little bit. And we changed that, and I think that was, that was one of the first things I saw immediate results on was – me just changing my bracing and felt a much more comfortable squat. 
Yeah, man. Um, I think that uh, one because you're you know a little bit of a higher bar swatter. If you're you know if you're shrugging that weight up, like mm-hmm. if it moves off of the comfortable place even slightly, like that's gonna mess you up big time when you get down into the bottom of the hole. Because uh, let's face it, you know, on a maximal attempt, generally speaking, you know, most people have a little bit of a tendency to kind of you know shift the weight a little bit already. So if you're not in the right place with that. Uh, that's already going to mess you up. But mm-hmm. add to the fact that like you're probably not breathing and bracing properly by doing that. And yeah, it, you know it's it's going to be a lot harder for you to move super heavy weight because you just can't hold the brace right. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think that was a big contributor. Um, I, I would probably argue out of all the lifts, this was this was the one that had you know the the most progress overall, at least in terms of of the way that we executed the lift mm-hmm. and, as well as the actual numbers. Um, this is also not to, to not to skip ahead too much, but you had you had a fantastic performance with these, and it's probably the lift that I regret the most because you probably could have squatted six hundred on the day. Yeah, you're only two and a half kilos short of that. But my logic in that, and this this is one of the things that goes into um, when you're picking attempts as a as a coach. Um, there are a few things. One. Obviously, that's a big milestone number, and sometimes you know you can get a little bit nervous around those big milestones. Um, so, you know, I think maybe putting two and a half kilos less in, uh, just because it wasn't a huge deal on the day uh, to to hit one versus the other, mm-hmm. w- was definitely the move for that. Beyond that, um, you know, like let's say like that it was you know two and a half kilos that that made a difference as far as the grind goes. We had you know our our big goal for this meet was obviously the deadlift, mm-hmm. and and. Not just basically, basically, you know, making sure that we didn't grind uh, was a big part of of you know not necessarily putting that on the bar. Now you did, however, go out there and, and absolutely destroy it, and then kind of make me look like an asshole for not putting <laughs> six hundred pounds on the bar. But you know, it, you'll ask a lot of my lifters that I've handled in person. That's something that I say often: is you know, go ahead and uh, go out there and make me look like an asshole for not putting more weight on the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you, thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, um. <laughs> yeah. If you were, if you got one criticism from Instagram, it was that third squat. Um, I when I hit that third squat, uh, I thought I was high because it moved so quick that I thought I <laughs> cut depth because I moved so quick. I'm like, oh shit, I probably was an inch high on that. And when I saw three white lights, I gave you the shrug, like, well, I don't know what happened there because it moved better than my second attempt. I and I completely agreed with your call on it. I wasn't really arguing it. I'm I'm typically more conservative on my squats, but everyone was messing me like, what the hell kind of call was that? All you got to do is just make a two and a half kilo jump to get 600. And I was like, I the plan was 270 to 272. And I thought 270 was the right call. I'm like, I didn't expect it to move it that well. I'm like, I don't think my second moved as well as it the third did. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think you're, I think you're, I think you looking at your second. I was like, oh yeah, 600 is there. But when you're making attempt selection choices, I always say this: it's it's kind of like the price is right. You put the most weight on the bar possible without going over. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I was just like, you know, it's it's a milestone number. It's it's a little bit finicky. You never know. He might get a little bit nervous if if he has that weight on the bar. I'd rather just put like a no pressure number that is, you know, that's right there. It's still a huge PR. Like. Yeah, sure. It's it's not six hundred pounds, but it's it's just short of that. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's not that big of a deal. And this this way, uh, the first time you do it, uh, which I'm sure will be relatively soon, you know, it'll be in the gym where you can be a little bit more comfortable, and it doesn't necessarily mean anything. Uh, and then you know, hopefully by the time we we 
get on the platform the next time, it'll be it won't be your third attempt, and it won't be as big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and I, I when I was trying to articulate to people, uh, my guy, the guys in the group chat had a had a field day on that. Like all like two two seventy doesn't exist in powerlifting. Two seventy two does. <laughs> like two seventy should never be a thought. And I thought that was pretty funny. But it's like the I'm like the goal beyond. I'm like guys, I if you really look at my last meet, it was I think uh, two sixty was my PR. 257 and a half, actually. Yeah, 257 and a half was my PR, and we just demolished that, and it puts us in good position for bench and deadlift. Because I, I, was, I wasn't unhappy with it. I just thought it was funny after I hit it and just, like, shrugged to you, like, I, all right, I didn't expect it to move that easy. Because we, and uh, a week before uh, was, what was it, 267 and a half? 260, we took in the gym? 265. 265, we hit the gym, and it was a good lift. Uh, I felt pretty comfortable with it, but it didn't move as well as, you know, that 270 did, and the taper did have a big effect on it, too. And, yeah, I I, I wasn't, I was not unhappy with the call at all, but uh, that was the, yeah, just moving on to the bench now, I guess, because squat, massive, massive PR, and I, I felt more comfortable in my squat than ever. Yeah. Yeah, man, and that's I, I'm I'm glad too because I, I think that um, you know I, I think that your your squat will will only continue to to pick up momentum from that. Like that's that's another thing that's that's a a good thing about taking a relatively easy third attempt on squat is it gives you a lot of confidence going into the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as bench goes, um, for me uh, on the coaching end of things, you know, being a huge deadlifter, this is just something that we naturally always need to to work on because. Let's just face it. Most of the time, when you have a big deadlift, it's not not much the case that you have a huge bench. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know the last couple of meets you'd had you'd had a tough time with it. Um, I think you missed one sixty not only at nationals but the previous meet as well, right? And a regressed miss, like at the previous meet last around this time last year at the uh, BMW like Chicagoland Broad Challenge, it got like three quarters of the way there. And at nationals, it just stapled me. Like, it didn't come off my chest. So, it was regression in my failure. If that makes any yes. sense. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, obviously this was, a, this was a big one. And, I mean, you know, going into, you know, going into your final heavy, heavy bench press, the main concern that we had, of course, was, was just equipment change mm-hmm. as well as, as uh, other external factors. Um, you know, you, you benched one, 165 relatively nicely, which was, was good. And I know when we were having an, our, our attempt selection talk, I was like, maybe, maybe, maybe if everything's perfect on the day, we might go two and a half kilos more than that. Um, but I, I definitely think 165 was, was the right call on the day. Because not only was it a nice little little PR, um, but it, it locked in that three for three and just kind of continued the, the momentum of the meet. Yeah, and actually... When I'm trying to articulate to a lot of people who are asking me, you know, how how was the Arnold? I'm like, I was really happy during my bench because my second attempt was a meat PR. And like I said before, that weight really stapled me at nationals. And there was just no progress on my bench from the previous meets that I did to that one. I mean, my bench was stuck. And I remember uh, when I was under prep uh, for nationals, I was like, bench is going to suck. Like, in the gym, it felt terrible. Uh, my ass was constantly leaving the bench. The weight felt like it was, you know, like I was uh, lifting concrete. It was just bad. It, uh, my form was all over the place. I was going on and off between 
my wrist wraps and no wrist wraps. I was a mess during bench my last prep, and that is the disadvantage you get when you're not coach, is no one is really telling me anything different. Uh, we went to benching four times a week as opposed to three under the PH trainer, which I think had a massive effect. And, of course, with my press, when we first had those initial calls, you dissected that the most out of all my lifts. It was a different cue every week. There was something I was missing every week, too, and it was because I just don't understand bench as well as I do deadlift. It's just, it doesn't, the cues, like, okay, I really got to think about this one. The, the cues on deadlift were relatively simple. This one, I'm like, okay, I never really did this before, so I got to really think about it. And it, up until, I think, uh, the taper week, I was changing things with my technique, just really trying to lock myself in, um, especially with yeah. the change in racks. Because we were trying to, I was trying to find out if we were using that fat pad rogue combo rack mm-hmm. up until the meet. Um, and I was training on the state of the arc combo rack, which is very similar to an ER rack, but it's still a little bit different, but I, I, I'm a, I'm a different bencher with those two things. So just trying to f- find out how to keep my ass on the bench was the big thing. Cause my ass doesn't leave with the combo rack ER racks and state of the arc. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I don't know. I, I do think, um, this is, this is probably one of those times where, uh, Obviously, we we still had said had success through through prep, and I'm I'm really glad about that. But it, on my end as a coach, I, I do think this is the one where we'll, we'll still have to maybe change our approach a little bit as mm-hmm. far as programming goes to yeah. to really facilitate this. Because obviously, we made in terms of percentage of of your lift, we made the biggest leaps on on squat and, and deadlift. Mm-hmm. Um, bench, obviously, we still increased, but not nearly as much, at least in terms of percentage of your one rep max. So uh, I, I don't know, I guess on, on my end, uh, I know you said maybe me, me almost flipping the script and interviewing you a little bit. Um, but, you know, obviously, we went three for three, and we, we, you know, hit an all time, all time PR through the cycle. And, and reflected that on on meet day but what do you what do you think we we need to change i i mean i know i have my thoughts but i'm curious as to to what having gone through this first prep with me what do you what do you think on your end we're gonna have to do in order to to make uh bench progress better for you i think my technique really has to change as far just make better improvements from the cues that you give me now you're giving me these cues and they're the correct cues i just can't execute them uh properly and it's just shorting my range of motion i and the very first one he gave me is um just on lockout not overextending just kind of pushing this what was it the retraction or something like you want yeah, to have your shoulders so, so not retracted. finishing with your shoulders so mm-hmm. actually keeping your shoulders on the bench because that not only does that make your shoulders make take or make the shoulders take more of the load on the bench but you're literally increasing your range of motion by doing that yeah i i I know that cue. I think about it every time. I miss it every time. Like I miss that cue almost every time. And I mean, just as simple as just benching on my traps more and trying to improve my arch, like that alone, those cues itself was a struggle for me. Like just getting, just understanding them. I'm more confident now with bench than I've ever been, uh, simply because of numbers and simply because I think like we are making those changes, but programming goes i really don't know because we we did something that i really want to do bench four times a week Mm -hmm. um if you want to throw this every day as a bench 
this event in there, I would be on board with that like five times a week. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Um, do you disagree with it? I mean, because because as far as programming goes, I'm I'm clueless on. So okay. I'm pretty much always going to listen to any programming change. But sure. for me, the changes I just I just got it's I think it's more on my part. Okay. Practice the yeah, technique and, more and understand it and just execute them a little bit better. And towards like week seventeen. Towards week 17, it felt like I was finally doing it. Oh, it took me 17 yeah. weeks to really, like, start making that progress. Yeah, and, and the, the, I mean, the other thing, okay, the other thing that I'll, I'll, I'll point out, and, and this isn't the case with every lifter in the world, but I do think that a large majority of lifters, the bench doesn't always feel great all the time, and it, it usually is the last one to sort of realize uh, in mm-hmm. terms of, of being affected by peaking and tapering because the thing is is that for whatever reason and again i couldn't i I use this analogy all the time i can't really tell you why that is but for whatever reason benching for most lifters unless you're like you know your your td smashes of the world um you're you're usually not benching a huge amount of of weight more than your body weight uh, compared to say squatting and deadlifting, so usually you can recover from it a little bit better, and therefore you need less of a taper, um, which is why you don't really realize those strength gains until the very, very end. Um, so it can be a little bit hard to feel that throughout the cycle to feel like you know you have a ton of momentum with the lift unless you're you're amazingly uh, good at, at benching. Um, and sometimes you'll have those rare days where performance will be up and down. But again, that's that's outside the point. Uh, on my end, I do think that maybe solidifying technique is is something that we need to continue to work on. Uh, I think that um, maybe making less changes closer to competition is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I you know I've 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 said that in my check ins to you. I think that uh, you know if we're making too many changes too close to competition, sometimes it can make technique feel a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that as we get, you know, as we get better with this, hopefully we'll be able to, to sh- sort of shift into that mode where things are a little bit more automatic, a little bit, cl- a little bit further out from competition, so you can, mm-hmm. you know, feel a little bit more comfortable in that. Because I, I do think feeling comfortable with technique is a large part of being able to realize progress. Yeah, and also um, um, in a conversation that we had with uh, Swolfesser and uh, Michael C, I, I think just putting a little bit more muscle in my body uh, will probably mm-hmm. help get rid of those leverage problems I may have or work through those leverage problems I may have and I getting putting more muscle lean muscle mass on your body is always a good thing and I think I mean Jamar Sean all said the same thing that I was looking thick and more muscular than ever I think we can we can do better in the, than that this time I think of our physique if it's yeah, if we're looking show ready, I think we could uh, up our physique a little bit. <laughs> let's get, right, let's get, yeah, let's get can, show ready. I could definitely get behind that, man. Um, yeah, I think from a programming perspective, um, there's a couple couple different things that I want to try. I, I don't necessarily think five times a week benching is the move just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think that we obviously still made a, we still made progress with this level of volume, um, so I, I don't necessarily think we need to we need to up the volume or frequency too much. I do think that maybe trying out some new exercises just for the novel stimulus is a is a good way to go about that. Um, 
because there's there's power and novelty. You're you're technically training the muscles in a way that they're they're not used to. Um, now that's not to say like you're confusing the muscles or anything like that. But um, you know, like if you're you know if you're close grip bench pressing a little bit more often, that's a longer range of motion, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit more time under tension that you can essentially get away with doing the same level of of training volume and intensity without. Um, you know, without providing this huge increase in volume, which will, will stress things more. Um, so little, little tricks like that are, are things that we're probably going to try in the off season. Now I do, I do agree with, with, uh, that conversation that we had, um, is that, you know, ultimately the way that you overcome deficits in leverages is adding muscle mass to your frame every time. Um, so, you know, a, a little bit of a higher emphasis on overall upper body hypertrophy, especially, since we're not preparing for a meet is definitely going to be something we're going to be doing more. Um, I'm probably going to be, you know, adding a few more exercises here and there that'll help contribute to that. Um, I, I also think that maybe, um, continuing to work on ways in which we could, could improve your ability to arch, um, and also just get you a little bit more confident with leg drive. Um, because I do think that that is, is something that I, I don't think we've quite mastered yet as well, because, mm-hmm. We, you know how to how to how to actually push with your feet properly, but the direction of it isn't always right, and that's yeah. why your butt will leave the bench. Mm-hmm. So working on that and, and just making that a little bit more consistent, I, I also think is going to really contribute. Uh, I gave you, I actually gave you that cue. I, I forget if it was in the warm up room or, or right as right as you were going out for your uh, attempt, but I do think also uh, with the way that you're uh, putting your feet, squeezing the the bench with your thighs a little bit, which is is actually a, a European technique that they'll. Mm-hmm. They'll, uh, they'll use sometimes it would be it would be a great way to help you apply that leg drive without your butt uh, leaving the bench press um, so I think maybe if, if you can get used to that a little bit more um, I think that'll that'll probably help majorly oh yeah for sure and I thought on my third attempt my ass definitely lo- lo- like left the bench and I it was a bit of a grind no like I, that's what I felt and I always say if I don't remember to lift it was easy. And it was a wow. like a perfect. Like, I remember everything about that last bench because it was it was a grinder. Um, that was a, I haven't grinded a bench in a really long time, so I just remember I'm like, oh shit! I think my ass is like I, I had like an inner monologue. I think my butt is off the bench, and you know I got three white lights. I think I told him like I thought my butt left, and I I couldn't even the video they were using at the Arnold. Like, you, you can't tell ever, but I always yeah. trust the USAPL judges as far as, like, what they see. I just think, again, having a little bit more meat on someone's butt helps a lot with uh, just keeping it on the bench. I think just, uh, I think maybe my hamstrings were leaving, but my butt was just, like, staying on it, so that was that was yeah. good. Yeah, man, I, I, I agree, and I, I think that... Um... I think had you not like hesitated because the you, you thought your butt was leaving the bench, you may have been able to push that a little bit faster. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I I was actually a little bit surprised that it was as grindy as it was based on how one sixty moved. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was expecting it to be a little bit slower, but I didn't necessarily like I I thought to myself, okay, he, you know, I'm putting one sixty five on the bar not because he doesn't have one sixty seven, but because it's the surefire bet. Yeah. Um, and and honestly, if I had put one sixty seven on, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think that would have that would have been um, that. Pro- I it's hard to say, but I'm pretty sure that would have that would have resulted in some red lights there. But because because yeah. in the gym, that same weight moved pretty well, but it was on that rogue fat pad. So right, and it was just like, and the, uh, the reason why I did it that day on the fat pad it was like I don't want to be not training on the fat pad 
for seven because I resisted yeah. that thing for a long, long time for about like thirteen weeks, just so I didn't get used to it. But I'm like, but if we do end up using, it, I never used it once. That's gonna kind of suck. But uh, yeah, I, I it was it was I, a hard I, thing to gauge. Yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt you there, but I also do think that it was it was probably the right move on the day too because uh, for 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 training, I mean, because I think it gave you the confidence with it. You're like, you know, you, you moved it well. And then, uh, when, when we put it on the bar in the Arnold, it was, it was just something that you, you had, you had confidence with. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that's a good thing. Yep. And the confidence was high going into my deadlift. Uh, was very nervous for deadlifts. Still, I'm always get, always get nervous before deadlifts. Just it's, it's always going to be a key, but again, th this meet was the meet where I was the least amount of nervous, and yeah, I, we obviously had a fantastic performance on deadlift, and throughout my training, deadlift pro progressed really well, and I was surprised about that, because I have a, a high deadlift, and the fact that it progressed really quickly, and we were like hitting goals that I didn't think were, you know, on, they, were, they, were, they weren't there yet. I thought we will eventually be, because uh, just an example, I remember one, like, I think it was, we were like six weeks out, and like, if you could hit 300 for a double, that'll be huge. Mm -hmm. And then I hit it for a triple. Mm -hmm. I was like, whoa, like, we're, we're, we're making some really good progress, and I didn't think that we would make this much progress uh, that early. And Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy how, how much weight you put on the bar. Like, every... So lifters, the the lifter, the people listening don't know this, but like when my lifters um, on their spreadsheets, they you know their their estimated one RM is something that gets tracked over time. Not that that's that's everything, but you know consistently seeing it going up every single week was a pretty good sign. And every single week he would always put down uh, on the spreadsheet he would always put a goal for next week, which is something that I always, always try to have my lifters do after they do each session. So they have sort of an idea of what they're going to do the next time they come in and you beat it like every single week, yeah. which was really cool to see. Yeah. And with, as far as technique goes, when we first got, when I first got coaching from you, it was, I'm not going to say minimal. Um, you gave me some really good technique cues and advice but it wasn't as much as squat and bench. But those those little ones helped so much more. Like it was, it was immediate, an immediate impact. I, I think when you just said like lengthen your arms a little bit and treat like a tricep extension, just by doing that, I'm like boom. That that helps. Like keep your keep your arms as close to your body as possible. Keep everything as close to your body as possible. And boom, immediately it was just great results right away. And I uh. And and then we first started with the variations with the pauses, with the uh, pause deadlifts, which I've never done before, right off the floor. And then when we started deadlifting normal again, I was like, oh, my God, I could see the immediate impact from those pause deadlifts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the carryover was was strong. And I think that I think that um, with our so I, I didn't touch on this on squat, but generally speaking, I think with with both squat and deadlift, we'll probably take similar approaches through through training again because they were so successful mm -hmm. um i do think that one of the things that it can can kind of take from um from this if they you know if they want a little takeaway for themselves is is 
generally speaking, keeping the deadlift a little bit more moderate during those those higher volume loading phases is a really good way to make sure that you um, leave enough room for your squat to progress during that. Because let's face it, when you're doing high volume squatting, it really, really uh, takes takes a, a beating on your deadlift. So generally speaking, just kind of keeping it more moderate can help. And I, I think that using a self-limiting variation like a, like a pause deadlift like that is a really good way to still have an, a, a sort of element of specificity where you're still touching weights that feel heavy, but the overall impact on your recovery isn't as great. And, mm-hmm. and therefore it's easier to load that way. Um, so, so generally speaking, kind of training, training that way, I, I think is, it, it's not to put you in a box, of course, but I think it's proven successful for you. Oh, yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll, I think we'll, we'll continue to sort of take that approach, uh, for as, as long as it continues to work sort of, uh, something that I think, uh, most powerlifting coaches would agree with. Uh, I, I think, uh, I, the first time I heard somebody speak about that was uh, Boris Shako, um, or Shako. I don't know how the heck it's pronounced. Um, but yeah, just continually milking an approach in, until it doesn't work anymore um, is is a big one. And I, I think for you, I think for you, um, especially considering we saw such a large increase in your one rep maxes, like we couldn't not take that approach again. Oh yeah, for sure. And with uh, the 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 progress that we saw, I because I was. Breaking the, the the world record, the unofficial world record was kind of like my goal initially when I first started with you. It was like over mm-hmm. 733 would be great. And I remember the talk we had when we found out, well, I when I didn't sign up on time for the Pro-American, which, by the way, yeah. really bit me in the ass. Could have set a world record and came home with some money because I think I would have definitely won best overall lifter that day on IPF points. If we, yeah. of course, were able to replicate it. So that that came back to really bite me in the ass. Because I didn't care about the world record, really, because I've said on the show before, everyone, real ones know what the world record is. And that's Yang Su Ren's 750 pull. That's the world record. Everything else is a record, but not the true legitimate world record. Not the true king in the north is the, uh, is the 750 deadlift. And... When you said, like, okay, it's okay, we'll just break the American record uh, during the Pro Raw Challenge, like, all right. <laughs> I kind of giggled, and I'm like, all right, yeah, sure, we'll do that. And then towards, like, week eight, I'm like, oh, shit, I think we could actually do it. When I doubled 700 for two, or yeah, when I doubled 700, didn't have to specify two. Uh, again, I'm probably going to edit that part out. <laughs> um, when, I doubled seven, <laughs> when I doubled 700, uh I was like, I think we could actually do this. I think we can. And then the next week, I had seven thirty, um, another really good number, uh, almost almost a gym PR. But then, like, the confidence was like kind of shook shook a little bit when I missed seven thirty eight on on my grip. Um, right. Two weeks out, and I was like, God. and I, I, I got a little bit down on myself. Whenever I miss a gym lift, I get mad. Like, not mad, mad, right. but I'm like. Because it always feels like, man, maybe I should have done this differently. And that's kind of a lost training day, missing a top single. And had to, like, and you did a really good job of that, like, reeling me back. Like, well, you hit 300 kg for, I think, a double or a triple. And that looked good. And the back offsets look good, too. So the day's not lost. You're still constantly making progress. So, um, and I did not. So let's, let's talk about the game day. I didn't expect. That American record, spoiler alert, I broke the American record, to move that well. I was very surprised about that. Um, and I don't even remember lifting the weight. 
I, I don't remember what happened. I I do remember my first attempt because the first attempt was what? Was that 307? Yes. So like 672, I think that is, right? Yes. I, I remember that one because even my girlfriend commented on it. I took the smelling salt hit a little bit too hard because mm-hmm. I'm constantly used to have sniffing like really dead smelling salt. So I had to put like my nose right into it. And I didn't even put my nose right into this one. I just like lowered my head too quick. And I started like crying, and I couldn't right. see the bar. I couldn't like see the the knurling on the bar because I was like trying to wipe tears from my face. So I remember that one, and my girlfriend was like, "Yeah, it looked like uh, you were hurt. Look, look, you you looked injured, like going up to the bar." I thought I I didn't think everything was okay with you. Um, the plan was to move up to uh, what was her second three twenty five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so three twenty five. That was the plan initially. That moved pretty well. I felt pretty comfortable with that. And yes. when I came back to you, you were like, oh, we're just going to fucking send it to 340 and a half and try to break the American record. Because we might have been able to pull for the win uh, for right. some money. And Delaney made sure that that was well out of reach. Uh, shout out to Delaney Wallace having such a good meet. And the other, uh, Daniel Clemens and uh, Jonathan Garcia. And actually, Zach still you know, had some good performances there to kind of keep me at bay where I had to, where I was forced to set it for the American record and God damn it. I'm happy we did. Oh yeah. I mean, th- there was, did, there was never any, like after you, after you pulled the 325, there was no doubt in my mind that you had it. Like, I, I forgive me for wording it. Let's send it. Um, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I use that like almost as a, like, let's get hyped kind of thing. But, uh, there was, there was never any doubt in my mind. I was like, he has this. Um, and even, even prior, even prior to seeing that, like when you, when you miss just to double back on, on the, you missing the 335, um, I, I knew, I knew you were going to have it. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a matter of, of, can he, of, can he do this? It's a matter of, he's going to do this. Um, I mean, as you, as you might recall, I, I think I, I commented on your, on your post saying that you would, you would pull 340.5, mm-hmm. um, and you, and you did. Yeah, I was that I was that confident in you, um, and I, I I have I have no no qualms in the way that you executed it. And dare I say, dare I say, you had a few kilos left. Yeah, I uh, based on how and based on how it moved, based on how it looked, because I honestly don't remember how it felt. I okay. only thing I remember about the lift was me walking up to the bar and initially anchoring in, anchoring myself in. And I realized, like, holy shit, that's heavy. Usually you could feel how heavy the thing is when you anchor, because you're kind of, like, mm-hmm. still trying to pull the slack. I'm like, oh, shit, that is heavy. So right when on right when I lifted it, I felt that, but once it left the floor, after that, I forgot what happened. All I remember was screaming really loud. I don't think I really, like, took that breath out. I just screamed on my lockout. I don't remember locking out. I don't even remember the down command. I don't remember that aspect. I, and I just looked at the white lights because I'm like, that was, I thought maybe I had a soft lockout because that was pretty easy, it felt like. Um, then all I remember was hugging you, uh, hugging Sean Noriega, hugging Gino, hugging, I think, I think Donovan I might have hugged. I think I just might have just went through a hugging spree. Uh, then I you forgot, were. I thought my girlfriend was in the front row. So I'm like, oh, it'll be kind of a dick move if I didn't hug her, too. And I went to go look for her, and she was gone. I'm like, oh, I don't think she was even there in the first place. So then I went backstage, and uh, yeah, it was awesome. It was a moment of pure joy. If you could bottle that, 
and sell it illegally for drugs, that's going to be the highest selling drug you're going to have, man. Bottle that feeling of hitting a big all-time deadlift in front of... And there were spectators there, and it was the coolest type of spectators. It was my competition. Like, right. it was yeah, it was like awesome power lifters that I got to do it in front of. It wasn't, you know, just some random people looking for Gymshark clothing and bang drinks. It was... It was, uh, it was like my competition and other USAPL competitors. And it was, it was cool just to kind of look out at them and get congratulated by them afterwards. It was, uh, yeah, it was the, a moment of pure ecstasy. Yeah, dude, it was, it was really cool. Um, again, not to double back on that too, but it's gotta be cool as a fan of the sport, uh, uh, coming out and, uh, warming up with uh with johnny candido for that deadlift too it was um, so cool it was so cool <laughs> that was like it, just conversing with candido because he is such an awesome dude to just kind of talk to mm-hmm. just throughout the day and then warming up with them and i mean that was that was one of the questions i got when i came back to search was how was it like competing with candido yeah, i was it was like the I mean, it, was, it was awesome guys it was fantastic <laughs> he's so cool yeah yeah, it was it was a it was a good time. It was it was cool, and it was it was I don't know for for me as a for me as a, a fan of the the sport, it was really cool to see him him have a, a super meet as well. Um, but with you, like it, it was even cooler for me to be like, oh wow, Angelo's Angelo's going after going after Johnny on this. That's pretty sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was cool closing out the session, um, or not really the session, uh, just the eighty threes uh, deadlifts because yeah, I think I closed that out right. You, you I, well, yeah, you had. I mean, you weren't the. You were uh, second flight. There was a flight after you, but you, you, you know, you had the heaviest deadlift of the whole meet, right? No, wait. Yeah. Of the whole as all that day. I, like the day in like the only the only person that I think lifted more. Actually, no, I I don't think because I don't think the next day. Um, wait, the Grand Prix though didn't Ashton pull something crazy? Oh yeah, he pulled eight hundred. Yeah, because I was That's like, right. "There's no way I'll pull Dash and Roscoe, right? If I did, right, I'll put that on my grave." Okay, for the raw challenge, yeah. you had the heaviest deadlift. Period. I kind of so figured that, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that that was pretty sweet. Um, yeah, I I I didn't know that like completely, but I kind of figured, uh, just based on you know me knowing the other lifters and where they stand, um, I figured seven fifty will probably be the highest of the day, but. Yeah, it was awesome, and I think a lot of people were looking towards that. So many people, because I didn't post a meat recap right away. So many people, right. like on my Instagram, they're like, wait, how did you do just in the meat? We all know you broke the you know, American record, but did you actually do well in the meat? And it, it did kind of overshadow the great progress we made on squat and bench, but it was, and I think deservingly so, and I made this post on Instagram, but... It was one thing to break an American record, but it was another thing to break it. It was one thing to take it from UU because that was one of the first lifters in the sport that I first started following because he was in my weight class and he had the biggest deadlift ever. And I still believe he is the best 181 pound deadlifter in the world. The guy is moving 800 pounds now, like it's like it's uh, like a regular day at the office for him. But I know how high that how high he set the bar because I think second all times like seven sixteen. You you're yeah, I believe you're right about that. And that's like that's a big disparity between the two and 
you know, guys like Hack, guys like Russ, guys, like really great lifters, you know, they're on that 700, but 750 is a big milestone. And to be the guy to take a, I, in my opinion, is a prestigious record because it was set in 2017. And in this sport, yes, power, yeah. and in this sport, powerlifting records are broke every meet. It seems like local meets, national meets, records for everyone. Like it, it, it's like always someone topping it. This one kind of stayed for a little bit, and yeah, and, and it was all-time drug test world record, not the all-time best world record because John Hack obviously has it at 181. Uh, <laughs> he holds all the records, so but. Just to take that from you, you was that was that was an honor in of itself, and I was very proud of that. Just knowing that this record was so big and being able to take it on a big stage was awesome. And I was very happy that you coached both of us. You coached two of them. You have a monopoly on deadlifts. Somehow, <laughs> I I don't know I don't know what what I did that I I have all these all these great deadlifters, um, but. Regardless, I'm I'm so I'm so thrilled that I'm able to work with so many talented lifters in general, not just deadlifters. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's really cool. It was I remember I remember very vividly putting in the 340 for for Yu at, at 2017 Nats, uh, and just thinking to myself like, oh my god, this is this is crazy. Like I I don't know like I like it's gonna be a forever until somebody breaks this record, and then. <laughs> To be to be the person who puts the record or to put the attempt in that will break that record was even more surreal. Um, so uh, yeah, dude, thanks thanks for that because that's that's something that I didn't. You know, I, I, I I'll be honest, like I, I was like, oh, this is you know, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna get to work with somebody who's gonna be able to to do something similar to this, and then here we are. Yeah, and I mean, if a cool goal for us just as your clients would be. At nationals, just make sure all of us just end out the session with our deadlifts. So we're always just the last person you see before we wrap up for medals. Because oh, yeah. I think we have a we have an opportunity, right, for pretty much every primetime session to have the next guy end out the show with uh, with the deadlift. Unless you got yeah, some, do you have I, some super heavies gotta, uh, uh, that you can get that with. Uh, I feel like I feel like that's just always going to be Ray, man. He's, yeah. I mean, he's, he's he's got that like close to four hundred kilogram pool, and that's that's something that like with <laughs> with with supers, big deadlifts are just hard because of their leverages. Oh yeah, um, that's what I try to but, articulate uh, to people. Was yeah, that's what's one funny thing that an outsider wouldn't know, and they don't understand. They're like, "Whoa, you deadlift more than that guy." I'm like, eh, "Hold on," I'm like, "You." remember i'm like you guys i'm like it's much harder for super heavies to really deadlift big weight so yeah i um i will i will say though i uh i got quite a few comments on uh on my vertical <laughs> that i <laughs> it's just like uh, everybody's like so so you, did you like work on some jump training for that or <laughs> i don't know it's it's just like a natural reaction i always always kind of like uh, squat down for the big lifts and so like when that happens i'm just like yes you know and i i just uh, yeah, that was that was pretty that was pretty exciting. So apparently, I need to start doing some jump training so I can have a more impressive vertical for when I celebrate. Well, yeah, well, as you celebrate, you jump, and as I miss lifts, I jump because that became a meme at nationals when I missed that right. uh, 722 was jumping in the air. And when I saw the still frame, like, dude, I did not know I could jump that high. I'm like, I don't think I've left a floor. I don't think I've left a floor in like three or four years. That's since I've been playing sports. So I'm like. 
I could jump. I got pretty happy about that. I was like, I could jump pretty high. I feel I feel pretty happy about my vertical there. But um, it's good that, I, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't jump for joy. I apparently bow and kiss the crowd. I don't remember bowing. <laughs> I, I, I remember. Was, do, I remember blowing the kiss the crowd. What's up? It was very showman like. Yeah, it was, and uh, a few people were like, "That is the most Italian way to celebrate a uh, a pull is to kiss to the crowd." I'm like, "Yeah." I get that my natural reaction, I guess, was a cliche Italian person. So um, that's that's always good to know. But yeah, it was a uh, it was a great way to cap it off. Nine for nine day, seven seventy five total. Uh, huge uh, totaling. If you listened last time, uh, actually, I encourage you guys. I don't know what episode number it is, but it's around this date. Because last year, around this time, I was doing Raw Power Challenge. With my co-host, uh, or my former co-host, Bane, we were talking about future goals, I think, at this time, and I think he told me, he's like, I think by next year you'll have a 1,700-pound total, and I was like, that's, uh, that's a big ask, that's a tall order, I don't know if I can do it, and we did it, like, I, yeah. at this time last year, I did not think a 1,700-pound total was there, and it looked, it, it, it's definitely there, and it looked like, uh, a few different calls on squat, maybe deadlift that, you know, it could be consistent, uh, 1700 pound total, but mm-hmm. that's big progress. And that we're talking before the show on the rankings of the 83s, uh, early in the year to tell, but seems like a 775 total is, uh, will be uh, ninth all time. You said, yeah, it was uh, number nine all time in USA Powerlifting and number fourteen all time in uh, the entire IPF. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I didn't didn't even realize that until today. So that just shows that the totals there too, and you know the the improvements have been made. Yeah, dude, you're 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 getting up there, and and I I'm excited to see what the future holds. Speaking of which, another coach to athlete question here: um, What are you thinking? uh, for, for the future this year is, is there like, you know, is there like a meet that you want to do just to like train through and keep some platform experience? Oh, well, actually, you know, depending on the state of the, of affairs over the next few months, that might not be possible, but mm-hmm. you know, let's, let's just say, you know, irregardless of the situation out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well I did listen to the King of List interview that you did and, um, you guys, you know, you gave me a nice shout out and, <laughs> You said in the, in the interview, it's like, you know, 1,700-pound uh, total, 775. I thought that will solidify himself at prime time, but now I'm not really sure. And right now, it, it is going to change. The landscape will change because at that meet, you know, also, I've said this before on my, you know, Instagram and in previous episodes, Delaney Wallace killed it. He took uh, gold in the 83, uh, number two overall. He did great, kind of came onto the scene. I knew about him early, but, you know, he's right now ranked number one at 83, and that 790 total would have put him second at national, so you know he's going to be in prime time. Yeah. Jamar, I out-totaled, which I, you know, I'm really, I'm not happy about it because Jamar's awesome, uh, and I really like him, and I know he didn't have the meat that he, that he wanted, but it feels good to, you know, have a bigger total than the guy who took third at nationals like like whoa i didn't even expect to uh, total him because even me and candido talked beforehand um when we both signed up for the raw challenge that we said tomorrow was on his own island 
Mm-hmm. Like he's like, oh, he's on an island of his own. He's probably gonna, you know, walk away pretty easily with eighty three. But you, me, Delaney, and Carson, you know, we could have a good battle. And we you know we ended up then Delaney ended up out totaling all of us by you know a considerable amount, and I ended up out totaling more than Jamar. But I, yeah. I'm I'm gonna naturally assume that he's gonna do another meet. In the meantime, yeah. to maybe guarantee that primetime slot, even though I think with that he is in pretty good contention. Yeah, so I'm so so to be to be um, clear, the eligibility for totals you can submit for nationals starts with the previous year's nationals. Oh, okay. So, so Jamar can use his 785 kilo total from oh, raw nationals. I did not know that to qualify him. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I'm look. I just I was just looking over the numbers real quick, and of the eligible totals that are entered into the database right now, um, because Sean's 800 kilo total is not eligible. Um, so, of the eligible totals right now, uh, you currently sit at, let's see, Marcus is not competing. So, you're, you're currently sitting with the third highest eligible total at the moment. Yeah, because Jamar's Jamar's total is the only one out of these. So I'm looking at the I'm looking at the top um, totals from the previous year, and out of all of these, the only one that is still eligible, other than Russ, um, the only one that's still eligible is Jamar's. So Jamar Jamar and Russ, with Russ competing this coming weekend, we'll see how he's got. So number four, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're sitting at number four at the moment. Um, and then uh, we'll we'll just kind of see where where the where the cookie crumbles as as the the meat goes. But at the moment, you're you're at, at on lock for a primetime spot right now. Mm-hmm. It just uh, it depends on where everybody else is through the rest of the year. Yeah, and I think me me and Candy to talk about it just afterwards. Like, what do you think the magic number is going to be? Is it going to be seventeen hundred? Like, as far as you know, guaranteeing yourself and a primetime slot. I'm like, yeah, I think that magic number would work. But, you know, because Carson, I know he didn't have the meat he wanted. He's doing IPF Worlds. But just in the meantime, with uh, from now till October is a long time. Just mm-hmm. a really long time. And I don't know of any meets, like, in that area. So let me ask you this. When would you like me to compete if I do compete again? Would it be June, July, August? Like, when would be either enough time to prep for nationals or too close from this current meet? Because so, I so do know of a few meets in Illinois in the summer that we, or close yeah. in the Midwest where it's like an only a two hour travel. So here, if we were if we were going to compete again, what I would probably say our our best bet would be to do a train through meet where we don't peak as hard. Um, so just generally speaking, you know, just kind of not, not push the lifts as hard going into it and essentially just kind of go for some very small PRs, maybe five to, to two, you know, two and a half, five, maybe if you feel really good for whatever reason, seven and a half kilos, but no more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, just have like a really easy meet that we don't peak super hard for, uh, that we can literally just like go back to training on Monday. Okay. Um, so if we were going to do that somewhere in the June to July range would be best so that we have enough time to then say, okay, we're starting Nats prep now. Yeah. Um, and that, that would be, that would, that would probably be how we would do it. And, you know, if we could slap, you know, like five kilos on your, on your deadlift and your squat and two and a half kilos on your bench press, then cool. That would put us in a, in a really, really good spot. That would be what? Seven, seven, eight, 
Well, we, we told seven seventy five. So seven seven eighty. No, seven ninety. Yeah, seven ninety. So basically, what Delaney totaled mm-hmm. um, that would in a guaranteed primetime spot, no matter what people do. Because let's face it, there's not going to be a ton of people approaching approaching eight hundred. It's 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 just not as just based on where the totals currently sit. It's just not as likely. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, I guess right there would be kind of what I'm curious about. Because at first, I know we talked about just. You know, hopefully we can do this meet and not do and just kind of hold off until nationals. But that's a I, I kind of th- thought about the time frame. Like that's a really long time, and mm-hmm. I don't I wouldn't be completely opposed to doing a meet in the meantime. Just just cause I that's again really long time and your platform experience you talked about and yeah and it just. With USAPL in the Midwest, we got to find a meet like probably like right now or within the next two weeks if we really want to do that. But I agree with you. I would think that that would be a good idea is to maybe do another meet in between. Um, and with your coaching, you know, because for me it was always PH3, balls to the wall, max out, and then go to something again. If we're going to, you know, kind of reel in the peak a little bit, it might be just a better strategy going into nationals. Yeah, for sure. Like it, it, the, the way that I would almost, almost uh, describe it is, is we would kind of, um, we would probably just the overall intensity of what we hit probably wouldn't be as high. Like we, we might not be hitting nearly as many, uh, like top sets around like, you know, RP eight and nine. It'll, you know, we would probably cap things off at like an eight, um, and just, just kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of something like that. Maybe, maybe again, not push the the overall training volume at quite as hard because uh, you, obviously you can still make progress that way. Um, it's just you know it, you know a little bit less about where your numbers are if you don't really push them quite as hard. Mm-hmm. So, I'm I'm looking at the the uh, Illinois um, calendar right now, and there's nothing beyond April 25th. Um, so I, I don't know if there's any that you know of that that haven't uh, like haven't been announced or sanctioned yet. Um, yeah, Illinois, but, the big black eye we get is not having enough USAPL meets. It's got a lot of USPA meets, but not a whole lot of USAPL meets. Um, so I think there's one in Iowa that's not too far. But last year I could have swore there was one around June, July. Um, yeah, that might have been Blooming, Bloomington, Illinois, which is close to Illinois State. But it very well could not happen again this year because – USAPL Illinois is kind of in flux with the amount of meets they put on. Um, I know two yeah. two a year, two guaranteed a year. Uh, the Chicago Chicagoland Novice and the Chicago Raw Novice or Chicagoland Raw Challenge or something. Those are two, but the next one's coming up in like in a week. So it's usually yeah. in March um, when they do it. So yeah, I would probably have to look at just different meets in the Midwest. I know there are some in Missouri and Iowa that could potentially be on. That are definitely doable. Had a few friends there's, there's one in, in uh, There's one in Des Moines on uh, July 11th. That sounds about right. Um, that, yeah, that could be that could be a possible one. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, maybe something like that. I don't know. Ultimately, what we can we can kind of discuss that uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks. But uh, on my end, I hope you're ready to get back to training tomorrow, dude. Because that is uh, after after I get done with this call, that's uh, that's what I've got to do is, is is get get training programs done. So now that we I've had a little chance to to get 
you know, some insight as to where you are, I can, I can get back to programming stuff. And I'm, I'm hope, I'm hoping after this like light week, you're ready to get back to some structured stuff. Oh yeah. I'm actually more than ready. Uh, towards, I think Wednesday I was ready to kind of get into structured stuff. And this is, and this is another thing I was looking forward to with coaching because after a meet, I was always lost on what Mm. I should do. And the usual one is like that. Let's just do programming again. Screw it. Let's just jump back in the prep because that's what I want to do, and that's all I really know how to do. Was even if it was like at a, even if I was just not even doing a meet, just gym lifts, I would go full full on meet prep into the gym lifts. So, um, yeah, I'm yeah. really looking forward to not doing that this time and getting some structured programming for. Uh, for now, possibly in that meet in July, and then definitely through nationals, which, from the looks of it, is going to be a pretty good uh, competition with the 83s. It's going to be fun, man. I'm looking. I'm looking very much forward to it, and I can't wait to see who shows up. Um, all I know is that uh, you know we'll be ready to hopefully hopefully end out the end out the the 83 kilogram competition, putting in uh, putting in that last deadlift, and hopefully putting you in the highest place we possibly can along with it. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, because, yeah, I mentioned this before the show, and bring it up again, like, someone asked me, like, who's going to take top three at Raw Nationals, and it feels good to potentially be in that category. I think, I think it would be insulting myself to say I have, I won't be in the top five. I think I have a definite opportunity to be in that top five, which is a, uh, one of the, the goals we set out for ourselves when we first started talking, be one of the top five lifters, 83 KG lifters in the world, and... At nationals, that could be a definite possibility if we continue our progress. But yeah, it feels good to be in that that conversation now because personally, right now it's like Russ and then a really cool battle between two and ten. Mm-hmm. It's just someone's got to dethrone Russ, and I don't know who that's going to be. It's uh, it's going to be hard. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see, man. He, uh, he's, he's obviously like, you know, he's competing next weekend. So we'll, uh, we'll see, we'll see where he's at. Um, especially with him not having worlds to go to, like, cause he, he, you know, he has, he refused his spot on the world team. Yeah. Um, it'll definitely be a very interesting year for sure. By the way, who gets that spot? Uh, so the way that it works is there is a list of alternates that's done by something called the Carpino formula. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's you basically you you would uh, you go through every single lifter that places in like the top I think it's like ten or something like that, and you compare their total to the total that won Worlds uh, last year, um, and then uh, the year previous to that and your previous to that. So they start with a three year Carpino formula. So it's what place you are you know, one, two, three, four, whatever. They average those together and they give you your Carpino formula. Compare everyone. Obviously, there are going to be people that are, they have the same Carpino, so they go to a four-year. Okay. Compare them again. If they haven't gotten the for, the for sure alternate there, they compare a five-year, and then after that, they go by IPF points. Okay. Well, that so, is way more yeah, complex than I imagined. Yeah, I thought it was just the yeah, next so guy. Current, <laughs> I thought it was just like, okay, is Sean available? Like, is Sean no, not available? It it, is Kamar available? Like I thought that's how it worked. No, it does not. It does not go. Uh, it does not go that way. So they they list all that off, and they, mind you, they offer these people alternate spots. Um, they don't necessarily take them either. Yeah. Uh, and there's no financial. Unlike when you get on a world team, there's you know once you sign a world team contract, there's a financial commitment to it. Um, as an alternate, you don't have to have to commit to it financially. Okay. 
um, you just are, you know, and then you, you obviously train like you're going to go to the world championships. And then if you get called up, you get called up. So currently, uh, that world team spot, uh, it, it is filled by, uh, Jake Amendola right now. Oh, okay. So it's not from another 83 lifter. No, it's just, it's literally just like all the people across all the weight classes from second all the way down. Where's your Carpino score? Highest Carpino score goes. And, and, uh, I, I, do believe um, he wasn't the first choice. I think uh, I, I think there were a few others that were ahead of him. Uh, I know Ashton was was uh, pretty sure that he was going to go. I, I know he re- ended up refusing that spot and deciding to do the Arnold instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I believe Jake was up next. Uh, and I do I do believe uh, Austin Perkins is going. I don't know if he's going as part of the open team uh, or if he's going because I, I I don't think Taylor's going either. If I'm not mistaken, please. Um, so I, yeah, so I don't know if he's going as part of the open team or the junior team, but he he was on the list of alternates. The reason I know is that Kyle Power, who whom I also coach, was on that list. So I got to I got to see it. Okay. Um. So yeah, that's that's what's going on with that, um, and that's generally how how team selection goes. You the the other thing is that you can only send two people as a country. You can only send two people per weight class. So even if you know if you already have two people in the same weight class going then even if somebody else technically qualifies, you have to skip over them. Okay. Wow. All right. Did not know any of that. That was, that was way more of a complex answer than I thought. And I actually like my method more. <laughs> I, 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 think, I, I think, yeah, I think I'm going to put it to a referendum and see if I can get IPF and USAPL to listen. Just be like, hey, why not just ask if the next guy <laughs> is available? And just keep on going down the it, list until you reach, like, 10. <laughs> to, like, the 10th guy. It actually, uh... It actually is a different uh, formula, or sorry, not a different formula. It's a slightly different process uh, in other places. Okay. Um, like it, in in Great Britain, for example, um, they actually make you go to uh, a, a mock meet that they call squad sessions. So you, you actually win, but then you then you go. So this is this is the thing, right? If you even if you win, you still have to attend squads. Okay. Um, and and you have to you have to compete there because they, they bring judges and everything, um, and you have to be able to at least total ninety percent of what you put up at the meet. Okay. Um, oh. And then the way the way that they select alternates after that is you know who does the best out of all those people like my my lifter Kirill who is you know the the uh, the one IPF champion that I've gotten to to coach he's he's a, a lifter for for Great Britain uh, and he like in order to get on the world team despite, um, you know, all, all the numbers and stuff like that, like he had to, he had to go and he had to essentially compete and max out, um, despite the fact that he did super well at the, at their national meet. Yeah. Well, they tend to overcomplicate things and that's why, uh, we're no longer under control. So that's point one USA, <laughs> point one America. Yes. But yeah. Cause that's all, I, yes. I didn't know any of that. That's, uh, that's way more of a headache than I thought, but all right. Well, and we're having this discussion. And what, when's world supposed to be June? Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll yeah. see what happens, man. Um, I, I don't that know if it's because uh, Carson Carson is doing worlds, and I would really like to see him there. I was very happy when he when he broke the news that he was on the world's team. I actually couldn't, and I said it to you. Um, I was hoping he would break the world record just on a whim. So. We could have two boys from Illinois have the American and world record. Like that'll be. I thought that would be awesome. So I always, I, I've always liked Carson, supported him. So hopefully that happens. You no, know yeah. Be an I, optimist. I'm going to be an optimist. Say it's going to happen, and just believe it's going to happen. Because 
Because when we were, we were just talking about, like, all the lifters not showing up, I was like, oh, yeah. I really don't want to watch this. I'm like, oh, wait, Carson. Like, that's a huge milestone in someone's career is to compete at Worlds. I really, really hope he gets that chance. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm at a little, I, I was I was joking about this, I'm at a little bit of a, a moral divide here because I, I obviously, I, I, I like Carson a lot. I, I talked back and forth with him a decent bit. He, uh, he came to dinner with us uh, after the, the Pro-American and we... Uh, he sat across from me. We talked a bunch, but I'm also buddies with, uh, and you and you are too, with uh, with little Matt Cronin. Oh, uh, yeah. and he's on the team. He's a, I only say little because there are two Matt Cronins in USA Powerlifting. Yes, I noticed that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got confused so, about that. I'm like, wait, Matt's competing this weekend? But I looked right. at the weight class. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so Matt, uh, yeah. So Matt is also on the world team. He is. Um, I didn't know that. He oh, doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't. I mean, I don't. He doesn't do the whole Instagram thing. Like he's not big, yeah. like uh, you know, like posting constantly. So maybe that's where I'm. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. another one of the guys I really, really like. I, I really like Matt. So it'll be it'll be the two of them duking it out for the and not that, not to discount the other the other international lifters, of course. But like I, I definitely have them in the one and two spots as far as predictions go. Um, so it'll be really cool to see the two of them duke it out. Yeah, sorry, I love you, Matt, but I'm gonna have to uh, I go with my territory here and stay in Illinois and root for Carson, but hopefully they tie. I don't know if that happens. <laughs> so, so before, before I knew Matt was on the world team, I, I commented, I think I commented future world champ on Carson's, uh, Carson's, uh, uh, one post and, and Matt just sends me a screen. We're talking back and forth on Instagram and he, he just sends me a screenshot of it and says, Oh, you're dead to me now, Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would, uh, that's, you do that a lot, actually, because I think uh, when you call me the Italian Stallion of powerlifting or the USAPL, uh, Zach DiCostanzo got mad at you. I'm like, hey, Zach, this one, dude, I would obviously, because he called me Mario, or he called me Luigi this weekend. He's like, I'm Mario and you're Luigi because you're an inch taller than me, so that would make you by default Luigi, and I kind of didn't like that. So, Zach, like, I would obviously be the Italian Stallion. I'm, I'm bigger than him. I, I'm larger. Yeah, right. I'm a larger human being, so it would obviously right. be me. And I look more like Rocky than he does. I think. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah I definitely I, look more I'll like Rocky. It it's a little hard with the beards between the two of you. <laughs> yeah, I'll shave just to prove a point. No, I look like Rocky in Rocky Four when he fought Ivan Drago when he went to the Soviet Union to train. Right. So yeah, that was that was an awesome plot twist in that movie. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rag on Rocky Four. That's an amazing. Wow. Cinematic masterpiece, but hey, man, thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you for having me, dude. Uh, glad we got the chance to sit down and chat. Yep, and uh, yeah, that's gonna do it for Two White Lights. Hopefully, next week we have some interviews lined up for the month of March, and hopefully, we get more interviews due to the uh, you know coronavirus thing that's kind of locking people in their houses. So, yeah, that's that's a, that's a call out for everyone. Whoever wants to come on, any big name lifters and coaches who want to come on Two White Lights because you're locked in your house and you have nothing better to do, let's just talk on Two White Lights. We'll have like 17 episodes this next two weeks. Just do one one episode a day. I mean, you might as well, right? You got some free time. Yeah, I got a lot of free time, so I might as well just do that. Just reach out to every single person. It's like, let's just do a let's make let's make this let's make this uh, quarantine fun. <laughs> let's try as hard as possible and make it fun. Yeah. All right, man. I'll see you later. Peace. Peace.